0: ...said only that he did have strong evidence linking the crime to elements outside the state. Area residents have reportedly converged on the cemetery, fearing the remains of relatives have been removed. No suspects are in custody as the
1: investigation at the scene continues. Hello everybody and welcome to the Something Wicked podcast. Tonight we're going to continue our debates on the top 10 scariest moments from film and TV. If you listen to the last one, myself and Dave each chose from our own list. Uh, We made a short list of about 15 to 20, and at the end of this podcast, we'll be putting them all in a top 10. Looking forward to this. Uh, Love the first
0: episode. I have, however, since then, thought of other little gems that sprung to mind that we didn't get down on our short list, one of which was the fantastic BBC series The Nightmare Man back in the 1980s the uh, end of the first episode is very chilling and it's a great little series and of course something you championed which was The Signalman a Charles Dickens short story that was turned into one of the BBC's fine ghost story for Christmas that's got a fantastically spine-tingling ending but we can't mention everything and people out there please 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 be aware that we know there are things that you would have
1: had on your list that we haven't got on ours. Forgive us. We are only mortal. People will debate this till the end of time, obviously. Uh, but I think we've probably saved the best to last for this episode, you know, because I certainly was, uh, was doing that. Uh, but I think it's, it's my choice first, isn't it, Dave? It is your choice. Absolutely, my friend. Fire away. Right, now this uh, this film is was released in 1984. Yeah. And it's called 1984. Oh, wow. Which is obviously based on George Orwell's novel, which came out in 1948. And the scene I'm going to pick is the scene where Winston Smith, who's the main character, is arrested for, uh, I think a, it was classed as a sex crime, because 1984, if people don't know, is about... This awful, dystopian, authoritarian society where people are not allowed freedom. They're told what to think by the government. You know, they just have to be compliant. And I think love affairs are forbidden. And the character Winston Smith falls in love with this woman called Julia. uh, And they get caught having this affair. And he gets taken to what's called the Institute of Love which is a bit of an ironic title because it's yeah. basically where people get tortured and broken yeah. both physically and psychologically. So he's tortured. It's explained to him by his character, O'Brien, who is Richard Burton, in an absolutely brilliantly chilling performance. I mean, Burton yeah. is amazing. Reality is in the human mind, not in the individual mind, which makes mistakes and soon perishes. But in the mind of the party. So part of the interrogation involves him taking him to room 101, where people yeah. who go in there are told they will face the worst thing in the world. Okay. And the worst thing in the world is basically their own phobias and fears. And uh, John Hurt's character has a particular fear about rats because I think he found his mother dead and he found the rats eating his mother or something yes. like that. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what? what O'Brien... Tells him very carefully, very deliberately, and very methodically is that he's going to place a specially constructed cage over John Hurt's face. Okay, and in that cage, there are two wild, starving rats. Okay, so you see these rats, and they're in this compartment in the cage. He tells John Hurt that he's going to release the first compartment so they go into the one nearest his face and then he's going to release the second compartment, which exposes his face to these rats, and they're going to proceed to burrow through his face, or they might go for the eyes first, you know, so he describes it. And John Hurt is so good in this scene, he's absolutely shitting himself. And he's a great actor, I mean, he that's is a great so scene. good, he's so good. The power of great actors yeah.
0: together as well, a scene like that is brilliant, you know?
1: So what Burton is basically saying to him is, if he doesn't comply, this is what's going to happen to him. You know, these rats are going to eat him alive. And John Hurt obviously bends to this will. He's, he's absolutely scared out of his wits. And uh, he denounces Julia and he blames Julia for everything. And he he says, go after Julia, kill her, I don't care. You know, and that's it. He's he's submitted. And there's also, because it was adapted in the 50s, I think, with Peter Cushing, wasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and they do that scene in there, and I've seen that, and that is equally disturbing. Cushing is brilliantly hysterical in that scene.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. I know I think that's a fantastic mention. It yeah. really is, because I think that is one that wouldn't have crossed my mind to do, and it is. It's is a great, and it's a classic piece of work, Yeah. that dystopian society, this idea of being completely trapped within this kind of fascistic system, and, uh, you know, it's a... It is, and it's, it's definitely very, it's a very thoughtful scene. You know, a very thoughtful, scary moment scene. I, I mean, a lot of the things I mention are are yeah. all about the sort of visual impact. And you're talking about, you know, you're, you're coming from... Psychological horror. Yeah, from, I mean, you're, you're, it's yeah. one of them
1: scenes where, when I think I first saw it, I, I, I literally couldn't breathe because I didn't know what was going to happen thought of the rats being released because because the rats are like fighting each other they're anxious to get out you know they're like inches from his face
0: yeah absolutely i, I think that's once again to, to make to, to have great actors producing something like that to create that sense of uh, sense of fear and uh, and trepidation is is, mm. is so important you know there's so many films that aren't on this list that we could you know that are certainly from my point of view aren't on this you know, Alien isn't on this list for example And no. again Ensemble cast with great acting The Thing isn't on the list no. again Ensemble cast great acting great sense of claustrophobia great sense of both those films great sense of fear you know but it's about that moment it's about mm. the scene you know mm. that's what we're talking about here yeah. if it was about the film those, those films
1: would be on the list I'm sure you know well, I mean, it's a top ten, isn't it? So yeah. inevitably, some brilliant stuff is going to be not included. Absolutely. So, I, what, what's your next one?
0: Well, I'm going to say I've got a few. I've got still got a few more on the list here that I'm very excited about. But I'm going to go with the Stephen King adaptation again, oh, yeah. and this time it's a TV adaptation that really had an impact on me as a kid. And it probably did with you too, mate. I think I know what you're going to say.
1: And it's Salem's Lot. Oh, Salem's Lot, yeah. Uh, that you you a thought contender. I was going to say it? I did think you were going to say it. Yeah. But Salem's it's Lot was definitely a contender because I reminded myself of some of those scenes. The
0: absolute scene for me. <laughs> its Lots of people talk about the kids scraping at the window and all that. And that's great and everything. But the scene for me is what's now known as Face the Master. Yeah. First time we see Mr. Barlow and is that James Mason, absolutely. James, <laughs> face the master. Can you face the master? Your <laughs> faith against his face, your faith against his faith. It is brilliant. Mr. Barlow, you could not have wanted a better fucking vampire than Mr. Barlow. Yeah, and, and it's Mr. An amazing... Barlow. I
1: didn't know he was called up. Yeah, Mr. Barlow.
0: Mr. Barlow will be in town tomorrow. Yes. When is your partner, Mr. Barlow, showing up? He'll be here soon, Mr. Barlow. And things will change then. Things will happen then. Oh, I love James Mason. Yeah. And the thing is, although I think your impression is slightly better than mine, mate. Very good impression. Um, It's the way that it's like this poltergeist activity in the kitchen. They're having this conversation. The kid his and, with his mum and dad and the priest, just like dead natural in the kitchen, having a chat. And all fucking hell breaks loose in the kitchen pots and pans start to shake the chairs smash about and then something comes, comes flying through the fucking window and it, you see the cloak move about on the floor oh yeah moving about in a very mr jamesian way in a very whistle and comes your way like the bedclothes rising up like the bedclothes rising up into a figure but this time it's a cloak rising up it's moving around and when the head pops out of the cloak it's this fucking blue vampire Yes With this bald, bizarre face Very Nosferatu-esque Very Nosferatu And it hisses And then just smashes the kids' parents' heads together Like this Who immediately collapse <laughs> on the floor dead This is fucking ace <laughs> nice. And then in through the kitchen door Comes James Mason James Mason comes in and goes Shaman, priest, shaman Can you face the master? Your faith Against his faith, which is the stronger, you know? Apps, oh my God, it is such a brilliant scene. I could watch it over and over. Mm. And again, it's there, it is there on Facebook. Uh, Facebook, it's there on YouTube. It's actually on Facebook. It's on my Facebook page anyway,
1: because mm. I shared it <laughs> ages ago, thinking this is brilliant. I remember when I visited you a few years ago, and oh. you got me to watch that. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I love it because well, it's kind it, of yeah. comical as well, but it's yeah. is,
0: it's is genuine. Even now, it's genuinely no, it's, disturbing it's and Nos
1: scary. So I don't know it that well, to be honest. But there's another scene in where that Nosferatu character just suddenly appears, and it really does shit you up.
0: Absolutely it it shits deep. you up. It's yeah. very, very scary. It's a brilliant, brilliant. And again, you're waiting for this Mr. Barlow character. You've got is that, this anticipation, and then it delivers
1: Mr. Barlow.
0: Yeah, Mr. Barlow. Because basically, <laughs> to saying. Because they keep going, ah, is this partner of yours, this uh, Mr. Barlow. Yeah, this Mr. Barlow. Yeah, Mr. Barlow will be here tomorrow. Mr. Barlow will see you then. He <laughs> certainly fucking will. He'll kill you. <laughs> it's so well done. And TV sometimes, very often, delivers brilliantly scary moments. And again, that is the case. Well, Absolutely enough,
1: My next choice is a TV thing. Fire away, okay. fire away. It was part of the Armchair Thriller series. Oh, I know what you're going to say. I
0: know what you're going to say, but carry on. Now,
1: Armchair Thriller was these, like, I suppose they were a bit like Tales you Unexpected, weren't they, where they'd have, you know, a story. They used to be in, like, three or four parts. And the weird thing about them is they used to be repeated on weekday afternoons, which was not appropriate at all. I mean, I don't think the watershed actually existed then, but to show some of these at, like, half two in the afternoon when kids were... Off school sometimes it was was completely wrong, but I remember seeing it on a Thursday night because that's when my dad used to go out and my mum had it on, and it was probably about nine o'clockish. And uh, it's the nun with no face to give it its proper title, quite as a nun, okay, <clears throat> quite
0: as a nun, that's right.
1: And it's this weird story. I can't really remember much about the plot, but it's about um, some mystery involving this uh, nunnery where one character goes to this light... It seems like a lighthouse or something, and she's, she's walking up these spiral stairs right to the top, and she pushes open the hatch. She pops her head in, and she, she looks about, and the shot goes from the feet upwards. Okay. Yes. And yeah. you see this nun rocking rather vigorously in this rocking chair. Yeah. And then the camera pans up, and you see that this nun has a black face... So essentially it's incredible. no face. Then the nun actually attacks the woman, yeah. smacks her around the head, and then it ends. And it still scares me to this day. You know, I think the impact was when I was a kid, particularly... And it haunted me for ages, and, and I never, ever forgot it. You know, I probably was about eight or nine when I first saw it, but I never, ever forgot it.
0: That is a classic example. And, and I remember when you showed, we were on holiday together, and you showed us that scene, and, and you know, you showed us the whole series, which, yeah. you know... Um, it dragged on a bit, didn't it? It dragged on, <laughs> and actually, some of it is a bit dire in the yeah. end. But that's, in a way, a good point to make, really, because it is the impact of these scenes and this is the this is the whole point of this the impact of these lasting memories from a particularly clever strange setup that stick with you and that's a perfect example a perfect example because you know there's twists and turns in the, in this thriller and it is it is quite a standard thriller in the end but that moment is fucking harrowing it mm. really is yeah. and it really lasts Really in your mind, and it would have been shown, like you say, Armchair Thriller would have been shown at a time when we were like eight or nine years old as kids, perfectly able to watch it like eight o'clock in the evening or something like that. Nine o'clock in the was, evening, it was. Sometimes they showed him on Sunday afternoon, for God's yeah, sake. Well, that's it,
1: they repeated it in the daytime,
0: yeah, exactly. So if you're off school, maybe you're off six, something or pulling a wagging one off school, you might have seen the fucking thing and be terrified. <laughs> you know?
1: Another thing from that series that really disturbed me was uh i think the first story from it the rachel in danger one yeah remember that one and and that's this tale of this girl who hasn't seen a dad for ages and um he supposedly picks her up but it's actually not a dad it's this guy who kills a dad in order to hide himself within the community because he's about to assassinate somebody yeah, and there's some scenes in that, particularly when he kills the dad, stabs him in the neck with this f- sort of flick knife that comes out of a cigarette packet. That again, I've never forgot. Um, well,
0: it's it's interesting, really, because you know, if you it, it, it's like I've been looking mostly from this point from the this idea of like scary, you know, jump scare things mm. that stay with you psychologically. But there are other things, uh, for example, you know, and it, this isn't on my list. But when you think of the scene in the Long Good Friday where Bob Hoskins just loses it on his best mate and he starts, ended up stabbing him in the neck and I yeah. th- that is so disturbing. Yeah, that yeah. scene is really disturbing mm. and it comes at you kind of out of the blue in a way. There's many films that have that kind of scene where someone's brutalised like that by basically cutting the throat open. It's bloody horrible, it's yeah. really disturbing. But that was probably the first time I saw that in that film and, mm. and it really leaves a, a nasty
1: kind of legacy in your mind Charlie uh, Fairhead leg- from uh, Casualty indeed from course, Casualty and he's, stabs he's, him in the net with a vodka bottle
0: and yeah. I know mean, yeah mean, but, but he, he is
1: the bastard in the uh, whole yeah of thing, course he it? does but it's so brutal. It's yeah. such a brutal death, you know the way yeah. he does it. he yeah. sort of does it accidentally as well, doesn't that's it? That's what I mean because yeah. he's his mate and it doesn't he's just mean like, to mean, do
0: it he doesn't mean to kill him. And he's his mate, and he—it's the knee-jerk reaction of it, Lee, mm-hmm. that makes it so mm-hmm. harrowing because it is a knee-jerk reaction, and he starts going, he goes into this frenzy on him, and ends up killing him. Mind you, maybe, uh, maybe the actual question because he spent like twenty-five fucking years on Kazut, he feels like doing it to himself these days. <laughs> That's, on, that's so another it's story. Longer
1: than twenty-five
0: years. It days. probably is. It probably is. <laughs> Most of my life, and I'm fifty-one. You know, <laughs> I've been on that fucking show. Uh, I, I'm going to jump on now and, and tell you my next choice. And did um, you have,
1: did you have that one, by the way, though? None uh, no, 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 I did not. Mm.
0: I, but I'll tell you something, mate. I knew you would because I knew it was that impactful as a kid. And I will just say at the end of that, as as well, of anyone listening to this that if anyone can find a particular TV uh, melodrama of uh, of the similar variety, like an armchair thriller or a Tales of the Unexpected, there was one particular thing that I saw as a kid that still haunts me to this day, and I do not know what it is. And the image, all the images of this gentleman in sort of Victorian clothing, sort of Edwardian clothing, and he opens this door... Uh, it's like a dining room door and it says ladies and gentlemen and in walks this this girl but she's like a Victorian doll you know in a dress and it, I thought it was so fucking weird and disturbing as a kid
1: yeah. and I do not know what that is did you now, say that she, he says something like and here she is like something
0: like her. that yeah, yeah something like that he kind of announces her she's like a giant Victorian doll walk- I vaguely
1: remember something like this and me. it was so it really
0: freaked me out yeah but I don't know what that is, and I'm no inkling as to a title or a, a, even an actor that might have been in it. So I've got nothing to link it with to, to try and trace it. There you are. So I'm going to jump right the other way now and come to a really modern film. It's by far the most modern film that I've put on my list, and probably on yours too, Lee, because I'm not a massive fan of modern horror. And even when people say, oh, you want to watch this or you want to watch that, I've not been that impressed. And actually, I know there's one or two good ones, like The Witch and stuff, and Hereditary. I've only seen half of Hereditary. I found it very dark, mm. very,
1: very... I found it so depressing, to be honest it's, with you. It's, I think it's good. I, th- I think the I ending is a bit so. weird. It spoils it a little bit. Not the I, final ending. I like the final ending, but there's a sequence before it that's... I, don't
0: know. I, I found it so harrowing, the scene that when the sister ends up uh, with the strange little girl, gets yeah. yes, decapitated, and the son goes into just goes into his room and the grief, I just found it so painful but I just stopped it there and I don't know whether that's something to do with being a father but I just found it really difficult so I didn't go I haven't gone back to it but I I can see that it's really well made and it's definitely disturbing, I mean god that's definitely a disturbing scene and definitely a memorable scene that probably warrants to go on our list but I'm going to go for something a bit more kind of commercial and a bit over the top and I'm going to say what I would call
1: the wardrobe scene in The Conjuring. I knew you were going to say The Conjuring. It's just a film I've not seen, Dave. Really?
0: It, it, it oversells itself like these fucking things do. It's far too over the top at the end. And The Conjuring too is a, you know, about the Enfield poltergeist. Yeah. It's so over the top. <clears throat> because I love the story of the Enfield poltergeist and it's a very interesting story. And, you know, on the whole it probably is a load of crap. But... There are some interesting things behind it as a story. Oh, my God, I caught my reflection in the mirror then and I thought someone was outside. Fuck me. <laughs> I'm in the front room and, and I'm right by the patio doors. There's no faces at the window, is there? No, it's not. Fucking hell, boy. <laughs> Sorry. That really freaked me out then. I just caught a reflection of myself. <clears throat> um, the the conjuring two is ridiculously over the top especially if you've seen the Sky One version of the Enfield Poltergeist, which is quite interesting it's quite an interesting look at it you now know with and, Tim Spall and with Tim Spall it's hmm. much more subtly done you know but anyway in the first Conjuring film which again is supposed to be based on a true story there is one scene in it that I think is really brilliantly done and it, it's what I call the wardrobe scene and I know that I think I've spoken to Gab about this too I think Gab thinks it's a great scene too it's where there's two sisters in the room, and the one sister goes towards the, the wardrobe, thinking there's something in the wardrobe, and she opens the doors of the wardrobe. Which this is an absolute fear as a kid, isn't it? Something's in the wardrobe.
1: Yeah.
0: Opens the wardrobe. There's nothing in the wardrobe, and the little the little sister who's still sat in the bed, who's pointing up towards the top of the wardrobe, and on. And then the older sister looks up and sees that on top of the wardrobe this horrible, malevolent fucking witch figure on top of the fucking wardrobe. And not only that, Ugh. not only does she smirk down at these two children, but then she fucking bounces off. Yeah. <laughs> and it is a brilliant moment. It is very mm. well done. And irrespective of whatever else happens in the film, and there are some good scares and stuff in it, it is a very, very, very good a scary moment.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, no. unfortunately, I've not seen that, so I can't really comment on it. Put it on now, Lee. Yeah. Put it on now. Have a look gonna... at
0: now. Yep. All you need to put is the wardrobe scene. That's the country. It, it, it came up, up, up
1: automatically. Though. There
0: you go. And have a look and see. Yeah. See if you agree with me. Right. I want you to see. I love this. Here I love you being able. To...
1: Adverts first. Oh, here we go. Fucking adverts first. Here we right, are. Okay. Oh, so it's at night time. Yep. Yeah. yeah There's banging from the wardrobe. Yep. Yeah. Something's in the wardrobe music building beautiful it's very well done as i say
0: very creepy you wouldn't want to watch it on your own
1: someone's put as a comment the single most terrifying moment of my life <laughs> yeah. just keep watching son keep watching so here we go oh god the way the sister, the other sister rises yeah. up that's yeah. weird yeah yeah exactly oh fuck. <laughs> oh yes I think if you'd not told me what was gonna happen I, I know, would have been I know, I know, sorry. I've
0: fucking but... spoiled it now. Yeah,
1: no. no. well, you didn't but... really, you had to describe it. But yeah, good good seeing that. Thank you, sir. Right, I think I've got only got three left now. Over to you, God. Right, um This is so well done, this next scene, and it's probably a film that probably in our top five films, jaws. Oh, wow!
0: Yeah. Oh, wow! I didn't even think to put it in there. And I watched it with my son for the first time. A, we, yeah. My wife and I watched it with our son for the first time,
1: and I know exactly
0: the scene you're going to say. Oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't put it
1: in. It's the head in the boat The head Lee. in the
0: boat!
1: <laughs> Which, again... Oh,
0: Lee, I loved yours so much. Yeah. Why didn't I even put it in?
1: It's, it's often cited as, you know, again, one of these, the best ever scary moments, and... Uh, it's uh, when Hooper, Richard Dreyfus, is is going down to investigate what happened to I can't remember the character's name Ben something. He's gone missing. He's a fisherman. He's gone missing, and they find his boat at the bottom of the ocean. And yeah. uh, Dreyfus has gone down in his scuba gear. Yeah, that's he's, right. He's sort of uh, rooting about, and then he sees a hole in the side of the boat. Doesn't it? He? Does indeed. And yes. He it goes does. towards it. Yeah. And then suddenly, this head this decapitated head floats out of the boat it's incredible it's so well done the anticipation
0: for the scare is so brilliantly done
1: you knew someone's coming but you're not expecting that and what I love about the scene is the timing of it because it happens at a time when you're not expecting I think most directors would get the shot of the hole in the boat and they'd probably linger on that but it happens almost immediately. Indeed, so it, it, it does. It cuts to the hole in the bow. Dreyfus is going towards it. And before he's even reached it, this head comes out. You can watch it over and over again, and you're still it, it, not ready for it. The great thing
0: is, as well, just to add sort of insult to injury, that the head's got, for no apparent reason, got one eye missing as well. So there's Ben yeah. Gardner's head. Yeah, but he's got a
1: horrible, fear stricken expression on his face.
0: It's so brilliant. And Lee, I am gutted that it's not on that I, I just didn't think to put it on my list for some reason I blocked it out of my mind yeah. but I'm absolutely with you and I shouldn't have admitted that I didn't put
1: it on my list I should say yeah yeah of
0: course it was on my list it was next up <laughs> but um, yeah definitely it's a double tick for me as far as I'm concerned Lee that's definitely on the top 10
1: the story behind it's good because uh, Spielberg It was, a, it was an add on the last minute yeah. he thought oh, yeah. I, we just need a bit more we need one more scary scene wasn't it done in a that. swimming
0: pool it might have even been yeah. done in Felma schumacher swimming pool or something like that the, the, <laughs> the editor you know who did all the editing for she does all the editing as well for martin Scorsese, doesn't she she's brilliant Felma
1: schumacher and,
0: yeah i think that's her <laughs> name
1: that's a good and, name
0: and uh yeah no brilliant name mm-hmm. but she does all the work with martin Scorsese. she's done a lot with spielberg too and and, yeah. and, and that says it all because the editing in that scene is beautifully done isn't it it's yeah. beautiful spielberg is a such
1: a class He is, act. he is. He's probably my favourite director, if I'm honest. You ah, know, absolutely, he's great. The he? list of films right. that he's done in the great. 70s and 80s.
0: And he's never really returned to that kind of, he's never no. really returned to like a horror film, if you like, which which Jaws is in many ways, and, and, and has these great little scary moments that leap out at you. Mm. You know, you come down and chomp some of this shit, and then boom, comes the shark. And You know, there's so many moments in Jaws that I've, I've got a great little make you jump moments, you know. Yeah. But you were absolutely right that kind of we just need another scene and then they added that in it just was world class i mean it just worked so well mm. and it's it is i would go so far as to say it might well be the best jump scare in cinema yeah I think it's that good jump scares go you know if it wasn't just about the idea of a scary moment the, mm. the scary scene or the scariest scene in tv or film that we're looking at if it was about a jump scare moment that seed, ben gardner's head out of the boat would have it
1: mm, i'm glad you agree Dave. proud proud of that one right, i've only got there, two but... left now so how many have you got i've only got a couple more left so I'm, i'll quickly jump I in and... the, i wonder if we've got the same one
0: well i'd be amazed if you've got this one i hope you have because and i'm hoping you're not gonna laugh <laughs> um it's a tv series it's a popular british tv series i'm not a big fan of it i've seen a few episodes but i've not a massive
1: fan of it. It's not my but, family is it though. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> no. That is horrifying. But um, you know, it's it's not my family. It's a moment. It's literally a moment uh in uh, in the TV series Luther and oh, and, yes, it, and I never really watched it Spring Hill Jack. It might be. It's the scene where, and uh, and this is it. I'm I'm not that familiar with it, but when I saw it, I randomly saw this as well, just watching it on the telly, mm. and it just fucking freaked me out. So this woman gets undressed and she gets into bed. She gets into bed, just falling asleep, and then he focuses on this, and then this fucking guy just crawls from under her bed, and get, and that was, and that is the most fucking horrible. Yeah. Terrible. I thought, did I dream that scene? It was Luther. I looked it up tonight, and there it is. And again, it's straight away, you've got Luther, Luther, the bloke under the bed or whatever, it comes up straight away. It's so obviously <laughs> impacted on a lot of people. And I thought, yeah. well, I'm, I'm going to mention it because that really, because I was looking for ones that had a, modern things that had an impact on me, hence the conjuring and Luther, you know. There's very few, really, that have that kind of impact like it does when you see things as a kid. Yeah. You know, but that, I thought, was really disturbing. Whoever thought that up, the creepy bastard who ever thought that up. I'm because that, is...
1: that now. Oh, yeah, there he is, yeah. Not... And it's
0: horrible. It's so matter-of-fact, the way he mm. gets up. It's memories of, um, is his name uh, Richard? Was his name Richard
1: Rodriguez? The Richard Ramirez.
0: Re- Richard Ramirez, thank you. The Night Stalker, that's what yes. he called it. He? Richard Ramirez the Night Stalker. And he would sort of, like, linger in people's cupboards or in their, oh, horrible, in mm. their lofts or whatever then bludgeon them in the night and rape them and stuff no i've just watched it it is very disturbing though. that is really creepy that is really creepy and i'm not even going to say any more about it it's not going to get on the list but i thought it was worth a mention Mm -hmm. because it's fucking horrible Mm. anyway there you go
1: right so i'm down to my last two i'd say these are probably my top two if i'm honest okay i'm down to my last two no, into... I'm down
0: to the last four because right. oh, my last really? two, I bet, are your last two as well. Why don't you do your other two then? Okay, let's switch things around very quickly. I'm going to do them very quickly together, mm. okay? So, my penultimate, if you like, is the end scene of the League of Gentlemen Christmas special. Oh, the yes. first Christmas special they that did. These are great. Where? Take that. Father Christmas turns out to be Papa Lazaro and the he abducts the mother from the house oh it's fucking horrible it's frightening mm. it's really frightening and if I was to have another option, I would have said the first time we ever see Papa Lazarus as well is a very very harrowing scene well isn't that you
1: know? a sort of how to something wicked this way comes
0: yeah, I think Which, it's that because... and I think is I what think this it, podcast is named after absolutely yeah absolutely and I, I, I actually think as well that the League of Gentlemen were just brilliant uh, two of the boys from League of Gentlemen who do Inside Number 9 or 2 and these mm. things I could mention from that as well mm. but I just thought I wanted to really mention Papa Lazarou and especially that Christmas special because it's a great little twist at the end
1: he gets the uh, vicar doesn't he is it the yeah, vicar, that's right. yeah, yeah
0: that's right yeah that's right yeah it's the vicar he gets he goes It's like Father Christmas comes in to abduct the vicar and it's really fucking... Oh, my God, it's quite brutal. Then you realise it's Papa Lazarus, you know, taking another female victim away with him, you know.
1: They they did a brilliant job on that because it's so reminiscent of the portmanteaus of the 70s, like From Beyond the Grave and Asylum and um, Vol of Horror. And you're right. On that Christmas special, they really did up the ante a bit in terms of genuine scares, didn't they? They You know, they're they're all great little stories on that Christmas. It's the bit where the the guy gets his throat slit as well. Oh God, yeah, yeah, with Stella and uh, that's right, Stella and um, Charlie. That's right, Stella and Charlie. That's really gruesome. Mm. It's quite gruesome, Mm. you know. It's
0: quite harrowing. It it, is just well done, and I think also. The great thing with that was it was the first time. I mean, we'd all kind of got into League of Gentlemen and thought, what a brilliant series, because it because it has so many great sort of scenes and it's very quirky. And we'd had the first two series that were absolutely what a horror fan would love, you know, that, that sort of comedy horror mashup yeah. that worked so well. And they did it so well because they understood it so well. That's right. But then they did the Christmas special. Quite often, Christmas specials are a bit naff, but this was perfect. To do it in the portmanteau style, to have the three different stories and then the little return back at the end to the Father Christmas character with mm. the big twist that it's Papa Lazaro Fabulous! Yeah, yeah. Fabulously done. And I remember at the time we were really impressed by it, weren't we? Yeah. Because yeah. we were really into the whole horror thing, the MR James thing, of course. And uh, yeah, brilliantly done.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent choice. Uh, What's your other one?
0: I'm going to be honest here. I think I kind of put this in just out of the love of the film, really. And I call it the uh, Rand Hobart hypnotism scene from Night of the Demon. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, of course, it's Brian Wilde who was famous for playing Foggy uh, and Mr. Barraclough who plays this character, Rand Hobart, who's been possessed by uh, this incredible occultist Called Carswell, who has passed on the uh, demonic runes to him, which means that once you've been past the runic symbols, you will be cursed and then will be chased by the demon. Yeah. And then it's the way Rand Hobart just suddenly springs springs into terror from lethargy when he's been uh, hypnotized because of the fear of the demon getting him. Yeah. And uh, the, the film's full of beautiful little nuanced scenes. There's a magnificent performance by Niall McGuinness as Carswell in it, who is a kind of Alistair Crowley figure. It's a film that's miles ahead of its time, and any time I get a chance to talk about it, you know, I'm such a bore, I will mention Night of the Demon. And it's got several scenes in it that are quirky and kind of disturbing. The seance scene might be actually something just as good to mention because it's very unusual. The first time that Dana and Andrews meets Carswell he's kind of there's uh, a little shock scare with this kid in a skeleton mask and there's numerous little scenes the film is let down fundamentally by the demon itself of course which is bit, but if you could isolate that I just want anybody out there who hasn't seen it to have a watch a night of the
1: demon because it's such a great film
0: but I do think that is a great little scary moment that sticks
1: in your mind yeah definitely yeah. But I know, yeah. Yeah. his performance is brilliant isn't it he really yeah plays this hysterical character so well.
0: Yeah, exactly, um, he does.
1: He does. And, and then and when he, you do find out it's Brian Wilde... Yeah. Well, I think Because <laughs> I was watching he, it and I was thinking, I know this guy, who is it? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then you just look at the credits. What's good about that scene yeah. as
0: well is it shows what a great character actually he, he, he is, mm. you know, that he could produce that performance. And it is a little shock-scared because he just he just suddenly comes to life... Yeah, ...in, in hysterical, fear
1: and terror and hysterics. Yeah. Right, OK, we're nearing the end now, so... My last two. The first one I'm going to say is a scene from The Exorcist. These are so many scenes in that film which I could have picked, you know. And I just stop
0: you very briefly before you, and I'll let you carry on. I just want to say that these are exactly
1: the films that I've picked. Right,
0: might not be the same scenes.
1: I thought they might be, but you know, when I first was doing this list, I probably had six scenes from The Exorcist. (laughs) I had the the start scene. I think the chaos in Iraq. Yeah, uh, where he's, he, he suddenly comes across Pazuzu, the statue, etc. There's the the subliminal images of Pazuzu where he just crops up. But I think the best scene, and there's the Spider Walkers, of course, which was cut out of the original. But I think the best scene for me is is the scene where Reagan is. I mean, the scene starts where Chrissy's downstairs, her mother, and she hears noises from the bedroom and she can hear Reagan's voice and she can hear the demon's voice at the same time and it seems like the demon is attacking Reagan yeah so she rushes upstairs she bursts into the room and then you're confronted by this mayhemic scene where there's things flying all over the place uh poltergeist activity the curtains are blowing and then Reagan starts stabbing herself in the crotch with the crucifix going, let Jesus fuck you, let Jesus fuck you. And that in itself is really, really shocking. And then she grabs a mum's head, forces it down into a crotch, and then she belts her. Yeah. She absolutely goes flying, which she did actually go flying in real life and caused yeah. permanent damage to her back. That's right. It's like an assault. You feel like you're being assaulted, you're watching this scene, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then... Um, people are coming upstairs to try and rescue Chris, but the door slams shut. This huge chest of drawers starts moving on its own towards Chris, and you think it's going to yeah. crush her. Yeah. And then what's next? The head turn. But the most disturbing bit to me is the end bit, where the voice of Burke Dennings comes out of Reagan. Yeah. Do you know what she did? Your canting daughter! Yeah. <laughs> when I watched that, when I watched that, I had to go home after that. I I, I had to stop the film. I saw bits of it when I was a kid. Yeah. And then in the 2000s, it was released on video and mate got it out. I remember we were watching it on this rainy, depressing bank holiday weekend at his flat. Yeah. And uh, I started feeling really depressed watching it. You know, there was the scenes with the mother in New York and Damien losing his faith. It was like a really depressing film. And when that scene came with Burke Dennings coming through Reagan and saying that, I said, I've had enough, I have to go home now. It it really is. It's a very,
0: very psychologically... (laughs) If you're in a vulnerable place as well, or you're you're quite young, I was freaked out by it. I went to bed, I hardly slept that night. I was really, really freaked out. The idea that something could take over my... That could mm. really take mm. possess me. Mm. It, that it really had that impact on me. Could could something really do that to me? Could could I actually find myself being taken over by something? Yeah, it really freaked me out. Totally freaked me
1: out because it was so compelling and go convincing the way I thought it was done. Freaking is like right. We nearly really we need to up the ante with this scene, okay? Yeah. I think this is, is this the point where Chris goes to a priest for help. Yeah. After that, you know, because. That is beyond comprehension. That scene and it, things that happened in it—they just came thick and fast. You didn't have time to digest one bit before another worse bit came, and then the absolutely, end, which I—I
0: just... was going to put as my my scene—the the first time we see Reagan thrashing about on the bed, mm. which you know it suddenly becomes the, uh, the suddenly the ante is upped. And yeah. it's like whoa, fucking hell, and it's really that's really convincing. I thought I found that really disturbing. Mm. But you make a good point because the sort of Poltergeist scene and the crucifix and the head spin and everything is real, and the the noises of the voices, those incredible voices that came out of it. You make a really mm. good point, and I think definitely stick by your choice of that because I could say well I'm gonna have Reagan's first thrashing on the bed, and it, it, it's it's not as strong an argument as yours. Mm. Again, you know, it's got so many parts, but you can identify one or two scenes, whereas a lot of the ones we've talked about, like like The Omen, like The Shining, if you like, it's the sum of all their parts that really make them really great, scary films. The Exorcist does have, definitely has one or two moments that really sort of linger. Right, so uh, what's your next one, Dave? Well, this is it now, pal. Isn't it? I think that's it. Because the one that I would have said, yeah, I think you know what I'm going to say, because my one after Exorcist... So it might be the, is, it might be the same definitely as my be, one. And, and I feel almost terrible saying it, because I know how much this film means to you too. And uh, I'm just going to say it, Lee, I'm going to say it, it's Exorcist 3. And without a shadow of a doubt, to me, the more I think about it, and it might have been you that first really put this film in my direction, you know. Really? I kind of think it might have been, but certainly I watched it and thought, wow, this is a really good film, because really bad title. It should never have been called Excess 3. It should have just been called Legion. Yeah, that's Um, what Blatty wanted. Absolutely. And it has, for me, the greatest scary moment in cinema history. Without doubt, it's amazing. It's just an amazing scene. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, You've got to see it. It's a really... And all I call it is the hospital scene.
1: It's often it, referred to as the nurse station scene or the nurse scene. Uh, oh, it's incredible. It is unbelievable. And, and it is actually classed as one of the best ever scenes, which is good, because it's quite an obscure film in a way, because people didn't go to see it. no. Which is a massive shame, but as you say, you know, the, the studio ruined it by calling it Exodus 3, and people remembered the Exodus 2 being so shit that they, they thought, oh, well, yeah. how good's this going to be? But as you say, it is an absolutely brilliant film. It's definitely one of my favourites. And that scene, you know, I've got to say, and I've been debating between that and the scene I've just described in The Exodus, but I've got to say, this is the best. Because it lasts about five minutes, and the build-up is, is so it brilliant. Insane. Okay, And it's one one camera, isn't it? It's one shot. So there's this shot in this hospital of this corridor and it's night time. You're quite far away from the action. But you see this nurse who's in the middle of the screen and she's milling about, going about her duties. There's no music or anything like that. So you're not really warned, but you know something's coming. Yeah. And what's very clever is there's a fake scare. There's a bit where she goes into this, she can hear something coming from this room, like a crackling sound. She goes in and she's looking a bit worried, okay, and then suddenly she realises what it is and her body drops out of relief, okay? It's just this ice melting in this glass, which is cracking. So as soon as she realises that, then this man just appears out of the bed and freaks the fuck out. Yeah. Because she's woken him up. And he's going, what the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) Really shouts at her what's your name? And she says, uh, it's Amy Keaton. And then she leaves the room and you think, oh God, that's it. That's it over. <laughs> then it carries on in the same way, doesn't it? It's yes, this long yes, it shot. Does. What's reassuring about it is, I don't know if you remember, but right at the back, in the background, there's this security guard sat on a chair. Yes, that's okay. right. So you think, oh, he's there. Okay, so It's going to be alright. It's going to be alright. Nothing particularly bad's going on. But then he starts getting up and moving about, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, And there's right. another security guard that comes into the scene and you think, oh, well, it's even more reassuring. There's two of them now. But then slowly one of them goes and then all of a sudden the one that's left gets up and just exits the scene. Just as the nurse has been into this room and then she's coming out and she locks the door and just yes. as she's leaving and she's heading back, because there's this quick zoom yes and absolutely. this horn sound this really oh, god, horrible yes. horn sound horrible horrible the, this figure oh, cloaked god. in a blanket oh god just walks so purposefully purposefully it's the stride the stride it is the, it's the really stride, stride it's the... It? the stride it's and she's got and this figure has got these huge pair of huge. medical shears Incredible these shears.
0: Oh my god. Shiny silver shears.
1: Fucking horrible. And obviously cuts her head off. And then what I think is the is the genius end of that scene is that it cuts to a a statue of Jesus Christ which is in the hospital in the corridor without his head. Without his head, yeah. Yeah. But the
0: interesting thing is we see no gratuity, we only see the figures
1: exit the
0: screen. You see the, t- the 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 nurse followed by the figure across the screen. Mm. Uh, like you say, the whole, uh, it's incredible with the horn noise, with the, oh God, and this purposeful figure, almost like a classic ghost figure. Yeah, it's cool. It? It as soon as it's off screen, this poor nurse is going to get absolutely devoured and decapitated or mm. what have you. It is so impactful. It is such a jump scare. It is also the anticipation, the way the build up. It is perfection, and you have to say this was directed by the man who wrote The Exorcist. Now, not just Legion, but he wrote the original. Exorcist. This is William mm. Peter Batty's film. He directed that scene, and you have to take your hat off it. Was half to only
1: him. second film, wasn't
0: it? Absolutely, I think it was, and and I think that it's a marvelous scene. It's a marvelous film. Yeah. Brilliant yeah. film. Yeah. Full of very clever ideas, brilliant ideas, full of brilliant scenes, two or three other very, very scary, very creepy scenes in it. It will always be remembered for that scene, though. I mean, it's so mm. standout, that scene. That's mm. maybe the sort of slight downside for the film in a way. The film itself is a brilliant horror film because it's got so many uh, ideas and layers behind it. Yeah. So thoughtful, you
1: know, Um In a way, it's
0: kind of, it's more involved and more layered than The Exorcist
1: itself. Yeah, I mean, I do Uh, debate with myself which I prefer. You know, it's really it is hard now Mm. because for so long you got The Exorcist. What a masterpiece The
0: Exorcist is, and you have got people like Mark Mode championing The Exorcist as the greatest film ever made, and you know this. He he seriously rates The
1: Exorcist Three as well, though. But he does. He
0: totally does. Mm. I love that that Mm. he does
1: he sort of talks of it as like I mean, a flawed masterpiece mm. I don't see that there's many flaws in it to be honest no, I suppose the ending is classed as the flaw because they insisted that they did an exorcism uh, which sure. was in the original story
0: I've seen the alternate ending which oh, I, I also you? like which is where George Scott just shoots him Yeah, just shoot,
1: shoots the uh... that's how it ends in the book but I can, I can understand in a way the studio it's thinking up, that's but... a bit of a flat ending and I think yeah. people have you know film critics have said actually when you compare the two the x's three ending is probably better even though it does seem a bit tagged on i think it's a pretty decent exorcism and ending I you yeah know, great it's a great you film you knew the story and knew the history behind what happened you wouldn't necessarily think that was a uh, an odd addition to the film
0: no. it's a brilliant uh, intelligent horror film again oh, yeah, you, yeah, know, yeah. It is fantastic, you know it is uh... I, as a pretty much atheistic or an agnostic person, certainly, Blatty, very, very devout Catholic and what have you, you know, it would seem a slight anomaly to be going on about how much I love these films because they have these very strong Catholic overtones in them, both of them, but they are brilliantly done horror films too, brilliantly done horror stories. that The authors had strong input. That's a really interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah,
1: I think the fact that Blatty did believe makes them so authentic you know when, when you hear about him talk
0: yeah exactly because he's taking talk them so about seriously his
1: films he looks really sad doesn't he you know of course. he looks really resigned to the fact that evil has such a presence in the world and um, yeah absolutely you know it comes across massively in, in the films you know this sort of helplessness that people feel Uh, when they're up against it. It's crazy, really, because
0: he is this very, very thoughtful, Mm. very, very serious uh, philosophising person. And and before making The Exorcist, you know, he was known as a screenwriter who did things like A Shot in the Dark, you know, like a Pink Panther film. And he was known for comedies, really. Mm. And I think that is really interesting because I think we have we probably have our top ten out of that, uh, out of this, don't well, we? We
1: do, I mean, and I think you know the fact that we've ended on the same film is pretty uh, well, amazing and a testament and I, to the power of that film and that scene. I, in I agree, mate, yeah. I agree, and I think
0: what happens there is is that we can underline Exorcist three, the scene in Exorcist three, the what we call the nurse hospital scene, as I would say, it, it seems to me that that is our number one scary moment in. Either film or television. Yeah. Would you like to put one of the other ones forward as the the number two or a definite on the top ten list?
1: Oh, well, I I would put the Exorcist scene that uh, I put forward, especially the cunting daughter bit.
0: Uh, Well, I'm going to put that down as number two then. So Exorcist three and then Exorcist as one and two. I think Don't Look Now has to be in there. Shall we put that down just for saying's sake as number three?
1: Yep. Whistle, I'll come to you. I think we agreed on that, didn't we?
0: I think just for the sheer brilliance of doing something, it with such simplicity, that is so impactful. It's definitely in there. Whistle is number
1: four, and The Shining—that was one we agreed on, wasn't it? I think so. Five, The Shining, The Jaws Head. Without that,
0: in fact, I would be. There's a side of me that would think that The Jaws Head might go higher up the order. Well.
1: You know? I wasn't thinking so much as all, of order now. I think you know. Yeah, we may have we're to just be... getting there. We're just going to get the ten definitive
0: in. ten in. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Uh, the headless horseman from Will Hay.
0: <laughs> I'm <laughs> not
1: so keen to put that
0: in. To be honest, <laughs> I would argue that maybe uh, the scene from Oh Lucky Man, if we're going to say the old yeah. Will Hay. <laughs> I
1: think I think I would have that in definitely. Yeah. Shall we? Shall we yeah. throw
0: that in as our wild card? Because yeah. it is so fucking brilliant in it. Oh Lucky Man. Yeah. Uh, Do you
1: think none without a face? Um, Cause I put that quite high up on my, my I list. think
0: great, but I would rather, if you don't mind me saying, for now, mm. put that one side just for now. I would rather say because we both agreed with it right at the start. The what I call the bedroom scene in the woman in black. Yes,
1: I was thinking of proposing that next, actually. So yeah, okay. that should be in.
0: Okay, so the woman in black, I and mean, that's eight so far. So eight We've only got really? two so there's left. Only two yeah. left. So look, um, here, dog face.
1: What about dog face?
0: Dog face is fucking brilliant, and I wish I'd thought of that. You're a swine tonight, Hardman. A swine <laughs> because you've got Jaws, the Ben Gardner boat scene, and Dog Face in uh, Invasion of the Body Statues. And what annoys me as well is, for a minute, I, when I was writing my list, I was thinking of Invasion of the Body Statues. and I was thinking of the thing. The reason why I love Dog Face, and I've just I've just put Dog Face <laughs> right, is because. It really freaked me out as a kid, when I first saw <laughs> that too. as a kid. And me this too. is what this list is about. So that's nine. So here's the list so far Exorcist 3, Exorcist, Don't Look Now, Whistle and I'll Come To You, The Shining, Jaws, Oh Lucky Man, The Woman in Black, Dogface from The Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
1: Yes. So we've got one more, haven't we? got no. one more in our top 10 of I'm... TV and film scares. I would say probably Leatherface, Meat Hook Scene.
0: I think that's great, and I would say this is where things get controversial.
1: Not only Phil's nonsense.
0: <laughs> no, no, no! I'm going to side-tie with Norton. I would say you face the master. Can you face your faith against his faith, Mr. Barlow? Can we tie it? Can we have a, a joint-tied tenth place? Um, so
1: disadvantage all- is that I don't know that scene as well as you to sort of wholeheartedly agree. I like it for the fact that it's it's fairly unusual because I think look, the Leatherface scene is is obvious in some ways as as being a toy oh. ten. Uh, do you know so. what?
0: I was going to concede Leatherface to you then as yeah. well, but maybe there's another one though that we can put in its place that we can think Childcatcher, the Entity, perhaps not. We haven't said Mulholland Drive, nor for tenth, nor have we said. And maybe Mulholland Drive is a bit obvious because it is. It, it, everyone puts it down as you know recent mm. years. The end scene of the League of Gentlemen Christmas Special yeah. is a good one, Is
1: potentially there? Yeah, yeah. I uh, think It's hard, isn't
0: it? I it's mean... really hard. Really hard. I'm not going to say Warden's Curious. I'm not going to say only fools. The
1: conjuring order scene. Yeah, sure, that's good. Blah blah blah. I I'm think...
0: going to go for Leatherface, mate. I'm Are with you, you. Sure, Dave. Because
1: I was going to yeah. say. I was going to say. Uh... League of Gentlemen because I just love those guys so much and the fact that they have reintroduced this type of horror to to people you know the portmanteau style and that really did impress me that Christmas special yeah me too and as you say it was a really shocking unexpected moment for Papa Lazarou to turn up so I am quite happy to have that it
0: was a great twist at the end wasn't?
1: brilliant twist
0: joint 10th place I mean it's joint 10th for God's sake yeah
1: so, Leatherface and The League of Gentlemen. Yeah. What was the, so, other, what was the other one that we were thinking of? For title, oh, yeah, ten... Salem's Lot, yeah.
0: Salem's Lot. But we'll leave that now. We've had a lot of fun talking about it. It's a great scene, and I will just say to people, if you get a chance to just see uh, Face the Master, Face the Master.
1: Well, what I'll do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a compilation together of these scenes, and uh, we'll stick it on the Facebook page. So Yes! So people can listen and hopefully comment um, on on what they think should be in the top ten. I'm finally
0: now going to just give you our top ten stroke eleven best frightening scenes. I'm just going to swap something Mm. around here if you don't mind. I'm going to put Jaws in fifth place and The Shining in sixth. How do you feel about that? Yeah, fine though. So this is, I think this is a pretty bloody good order. Mm. So Lee and Dave's top ten stroke eleven scary scenes on TV and film goes as follows in number 1 place Exorcist 3 the hospital scene in 2nd place Exorcist 1 with the Reagan crucifix scene in 3rd place the ending of Don't Look Now in 4th place the dream sequence in Whistle and I'll Come To You in 5th place Ben Gardner's head in Jaws in 6th place The Shining with the bathroom scene In 7th place, Pigman in Oh Lucky Man. In 8th place, The Bedroom Scene in The Woman in Black. In ninth place, it's Dogface in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And joint in 10th place is Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Papa Lazarou as Santa Claus at the end of the League of Gentlemen Christmas special. Thank you.
1: That is a top list.
0: Fabulous list, my friend. Been brilliant, mate. But
1: thanks if you have stuck with us and listened to us and enjoyed it. Uh, we do appreciate you tuning in. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those those things. Uh, I can't remember the addresses off the top of my head, but if you look for something wicked podcast, then you should be able to find us. Please go to our Facebook page, post comments, listen to some previous episodes, and <laughs> tune in the next time.